be warned prior to entry. Filming feelings may contain spoilers to any of the films listed in the description. Please check before you proceed. Thank you very much. Jonathan, 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 what have you done? I don't remember if that was what I did the last time we did a John Wick episode or not. It might have been, but that is my favourite to this day. Mm. I just didn't want to have to do the, um, you know, Sharon saying one of his lines, because those are my favourite is whenever Sharon says, you know, good evening, Mr. Wick. Good Um, evening, Mr. Wick. That was a bit Russian. Was it? Good evening, Mr. Wick. Okay, well, we'll try it at the end. The Why manager don't? is always in, sir. Um, as you can probably guess from the introduction, lovely listeners, uh, this is another episode of Filmic Feelings, and today we are going to be talking about the latest entry into the John Wick franchise, which is The Continental from the world of John Wick. Yeah! Thank you for that, Cooper. Can you guess whether it was pre-recorded or not? Yeah! You've just proved it was pre-recorded because that was yes. awful. Hey. Hey. Rude. It's just true. So we're going to be talking about the Continental. The continental. <laughs> was that pre-recorded or not? No, that was 100% au naturel. Um, so the Continental from the world of John Wick is a limited series that has just finished airing its third and final episode. Um, There were only three episodes in this series releasing from the end of September to the first week in October. And uh, it is a prequel to the John Wick movies, which focuses on uh, Winston Scott, which in the original series, in the original movie series, is played by Ian McShane. In this series, he is played by Colin Woodell. Um, Also featured is... Where is he? Why is he not on this list of actors? Oh, there he is. Um, in the original John Wick movies, you've got the character of Sharon, played by the late, great Lance Reddick. And in this series, uh, he is played by Ayumide Adegun. And I apologize if I got that wrong. But this series, uh, so ev- there are only three episodes, but they're like an hour and a half long. So it's very similarly formatted to Sherlock. When Sherlock used to come out, it used to have three episodes a season and you would get each one would be an hour and a half long. Really? So, yeah, they're basically feature length. Um, don't worry, we'll get around to that part of your pop culture education eventually. <laughs> but for now... Um, we have watched every episode of this series. And Cooper, what are your thoughts at the end of The Continental um, about this series as a standalone series and as a uh, building block of the John Wick series? Because, of course, it's a prequel, but it's building upon lore that's been introduced in prior entries. So we'll go into this more in detail, but I think this was a good film. A good film? My goodness. This series was a good film. <laughs> yeah. That that kind of sounds like it might be a burn. It's it's because it's film length, I said that, I think. but Yeah, each, each episode is film length. But I think it was a good show. I'm not too sure it was the best at setting up the future, and I think we'll get yep. on to that soon. Uh, I thought 
the last episode was the best because it had the big fight in it that we'll get into. Uh, what else? Yeah. What else do you think? Um, or do you think that that's kind of your very... That's, that's the overview, I that's think. That's the overview. Okay. We'll go more in detail in a minute. My overview is I think that this series as a standalone is pretty good. Um, there are some quite good performances. There's some compelling action. There's some all right dramatic moments. But as an entry into the John Wick universe, I think that it leaves um, quite a bit to be desired um, because I think that it invests its focus in weird ways and it doesn't quite... The way it ends doesn't really give us a full arc of even kind of a sense of where some of these characters are going um, especially given that some of these characters, you know, aren't legacy characters like Winston or um, Sharon. You know, we don't know where these characters go. And so it it just kind of ends and it feels a bit anticlimactic at the ending, um, for me at least, personally. Um, the critical consensus, which we don't really talk about on this show, but I thought it would be interesting to to bring it in. I'm not going to talk about reviews necessarily because um, we're doing the review and that's why you're here to listen to us. But a, a critical consensus that I've gotten off Rotten Tomatoes says the Continental from the world of John Wick offers some stylish action, although it'll be most satisfying for hardcore fans invested in feuds, invested in further franchise world building. And I, I'd agree that some of the action is quite stylish, especially on a TV budget, you know, even though they're doing three hour longs there's some quite good action but it's quite back weighted um you get one really good action sequence in the first episode second episode which one's that that's the one with um frankie uh, okay on the stairs okay but other than that you really don't get a lot until the last kind of 45 minutes of the final episode and so i just think that you know, especially given that John Wick is such such a series known for its action. I would have preferred some smaller bits, and there were smaller bits. I don't know. I just, uh, the only ones that felt really weighty for me were the beginning and the end, which are the two big scenes in and around the Continental Um there was some other ones outside the Continental, which I just didn't feel had the same weight, um, personally at least. But we'll get into it and, and maybe through talking through it a bit more, my opinion might change. But Cooper, let's talk about um, just the kind of general shape of the story. So basically what what this adds to the mythology of the John Wick universe is that you've got Winston Scott, um, who in the future we know becomes the the manager of the Continental in New York. But at this point in his life, it's the early 70s, and he is at the start of this series living and working in London, operating cons independently. Um, I think that 
It's kind of unclear. He's maybe got a partner, that woman that he's with, but it's kind of unclear how she factors into everything. Meanwhile, his older brother, Frankie, is living and working in New York for the current manager of the Continental Hotel, Cormac O'Connor, who's played by Mel Gibson, who he's probably my standout. Um, Standout character? A hundred percent. See, it's tied between him and Gene and, and Ray McKinnon there. Yeah, yeah. The, the the two of them really. If Stand I were gonna out. say that any any performances were going to elevate this, it would be from the two of them because I think that Cormac is, um, like just spectacularly awful as a human being and it's female yeah because he beats that guy to death with the well he does a lot of things and he's just so self-centered and he doesn't care about anyone and he's all about him and it's you know it's uh, mel gibson pulling in another performance where i just kind of look at it and i go you're an old man and you're kind of spiraling because he as a person is quite crazy and Mel he is just amazing. plays crazy real well. I mean, I watched because um, obviously we have a new movie coming up that he's not in, but he was in one of the originals, The Expendables. Yes, and I watched The Expendables three the other day because it was on the telly. Yeah, and just seeing him as a baddie in that and in like. He's so good. He's very good at chewing scenery and just commanding any frame that he's in. Yeah. He's fantastic. Because, like, him, Sly, and Arnie are, like, the big three when it comes to, like, mm. older actors. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then Ray McKinnon, who plays Gene, who's a kind of elderly um sniper with, you know... He's, he's not he's, a sniper himself. He... Uses a sniper. He is a sniper, though. I guess. He's not the gun. He's the guy that operates it, though. No, but the gun is called a sniper rifle. The person who wields the gun is called a sniper. Is it? Yes. I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I just call it a sniper. The gaps in the modern education system, ladies and gentlemen. Um We're not talking about sniper rifles every day in school. Why not? You should be. I mean, I wish um, we were. Oh, wait. We don't live in America. That's why. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, we're never going to America ever. Whoop. Just just <laughs> drop that little little bombshell there. Um, but Ray McKinnon plays Gene, who's this kind of elderly sniper who's got... He's just got an old southern drawl and he's just a real genteel man and he, uh, you know, he's, he's nice to everybody and he's... He's got some secrets and he got some some business to to clean up, but uh, he's just a good one, you know. Yeah, because we think he's gonna die in that last episode. Oh, you we were a hundred percent sure he was gonna die, and we were a bit worried. We were very worried because he was one of our favorite characters. I mean, we know that Cormac's gonna die. Yeah, we and, knew Cormac and, was gonna and die. He's played in a way where you want him to die, but Gene is really set up as one of those characters who is going to die at the hands of Mel Gibson and you're going to be angry that he dies. But he doesn't. 
And it's Yay. That actually though does speak to a larger problem that I have with the series that we'll get into in a minute. Yes, not, I think not, he deserves his own standalone series. I'm just gonna say that. I think he'd be great in in a little, you know, um like an aging aging criminal type story, kinda like um old man and the gun with Robert Redford. Because we just meet him, he's having lunch on a rooftop and he just shoots a guy from the roof. Yeah, he's shoots just, a guy in a park. He's just, just sitting, you know, um, Eat, eating eating a lunch and then he pulls out the parts of his sniper rifle, puts them all together and then just shoots he's, a man into a bush. He's like, in that case, he's like the Punisher because that guy was a child abuser, right? Yeah, he was I a mentioned. pedophile. Yeah, so he's a person that does good the wrong way. Yes, he's a, he's a vigilante. Yeah. Um. So those are our two favourite characters. Now... So basically the whole conceit of the show is that Frankie and Winston, when they were younger, were forced to do these little criminal jobs for Cormac, so Mel Gibson's character, and that one of these jobs was to throw a Molotov cocktail into this building to set it on fire. And what they didn't know was that there was a family inside that that apartment and all of them burned to death except for one. We'll get back to that in a minute. And Frankie and so Winston actually threw the cocktail through the window, but Frankie's the one who took the blame for it and went. Frankie's his brother, by the way. Frankie's his brother. I did say that earlier. Yeah, just be clear again. But Frankie takes the blame for it and he goes off to juvenile detention and all of these things and ends up. Coming out years later, Winston's been taken away and is, I think, at that point in London and Frankie ends up working. I, It's not very clearly established whether he went off to Vietnam first and then came to work at the Continental or whether he was working at the Continental, went out to Vietnam and then came back. It's a little unclear, but he's working for Cormac at the Continental And he has this past in Vietnam where he met his partner, Yen, who's played by, I'm so going to butcher this name, I'm deeply apologetic, Nyung Kate. And uh, so Frankie is working for Cormac, is kind of his second in command, and ends up stealing this coin press from the vault at the Continental and running away with it and the high table, which is in the John Wick universe is this kind of council that preside over all of these kind of elevated criminals. Um, it's a very important artifact to them and they put a bounty on Frankie's head and get Winston back from London to find Frankie and get the coin press back. And then everything goes on from there. Frankie ends up dying and then all of this stuff happens. Now, here's my issue. In the John Wick series, A, Winston has a vaguely British accent and in this series he has not not even the slightest hint of it. He sounds like a New Yorker even when he's working and living in London. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. It's not that he's not from, you know, Staten Island. He's <laughs> he's just a regular, you know, 
Brooklyn Manhattan guy. Brooklyn broiler. Does that work? Brawler. Brawler. Not a broiler. I don't know what a broiler is. It's a good question. It is a good question. If you know what a broiler is, if you have any idea what Coop is talking about, please let us know because I certainly don't. Even I don't know. But you have it's, – it's just to me there's not enough meaningful connectivity. Well, I don't know whether you agree, whether you know this, but I'm pretty sure in the – John Wick universe, there was no mention of Winston having a brother. Yeah, but that I don't have an issue with because at the end of the day, the circumstances under which his brother died, he probably wouldn't have talked about him. That That is is not my issue. It's that the, the actual connectivity to the John Wick universe is super minimal. I mean, here's something I just learned when I was reading this on the thing. You remember this guy? Peter Green? Not really. You don't remember him in the show at all? Not really. Okay, so that's really interesting because he plays a young version of Charlie who's the guy who shows up to... Oh, he's young Charlie. ...get rid of the bodies in the first John Wick movie and he appears multiple times throughout the series. Look, there he is. That's him in... In the Continental. Where? That oh, guy. wait. Oh. That guy that Winston's with. And honestly. Is that in the scene where. They're in the like caravan park type place. Oh. Oh, okay. That guy, I thought he died. Oh, really? Yeah. Because they just kind of, he just kind of disappears right after there's this big shootout. He also looks way too old to be. He Charlie. also is the owner of the Mustang that John ends up having. <laughs> it's just and and John'll have to have him clean it, clean it up a couple well, of times. Well, that's the thing. We never see him clean up any bodies. And what's the one thing we know about Charlie from the movies? He cleans up he bodies. He cleans up bodies. That's you can't just put is. a guy in a leather jacket and a hat and go, oh, yeah, they're the same character. He slightly looks like him. But he also, yeah. in the show, he looks way too old to be Charlie. A hundred percent. He already looks old in he this. He already looks exactly the same as Charlie 40 years in advance. Exactly. And he's so much older than Winston when really they're closer to contemporaries. You know, it's um, it does not make sense to me. Like, I don't understand why why this was why this character was put in with Peter Green, who, you know, I've I've watched quite a few movies with Peter Green in him in. I mean, he has a very distinct look. You know, he's in the mask, he plays the the main villain in the original mask movie, he's in pulp fiction, he's in he's in quite a few, you know, movies where he's a recognizable face. I just don't understand why you put this character in and really have him, like, not do the one thing that he's known for. And he's really, other than Sharon and... Winston. Winston. He's really the only other carryover when there's so many different ways that you can do. They spend half this series in Chinatown and in John Wick 3, there's a doctor 
in Chinatown who um, patches John up right before he becomes excommunicado and, like, have that guy. Have him be, you know, they're all about to be shot up anyway. Having a doctor on the team would be of great utility. Better utility than his mate, than Charlie's mate, who's the helicopter pilot, who literally in the conversation we had before this show, you couldn't even remember who that character was. I still don't remember. Like, that's the thing. He's kind of just there. I just know him as Garbage Boy because he spends half of his time in a garbage truck. almost the entirety of the last episode in a garbage truck. And I just, like... I don't know. Like, what I said to Cooper is, I have no problem with them introducing, like, and of course I have no problem with them introducing new elements. Winston has a brother that he never talks about because his brother died under these mysterious circumstances and the high table kind of wants it pushed under the covers, you know, and his brother had these friends who were running guns and he got them involved. But, like, the way that Charlie's brought into the series, the way that Winston and Sharon kind of come together doesn't make a lot of sense. So what I did before the show was I pitched to Cooper my version of the Continental, which in fairness to the creators of the show is not entirely dissimilar to what they've done. And honestly, there may be a whole other host of creative issues that would come about from my, you know, thoughts on what the show should be um, compared to what they've done. And, you know, we obviously don't know everything that went into the process of writing this show. But what I would do is after Frankie goes to prison, Winston is swept up into Cormac's gang proper and ends up ascending with Cormac to the Continental, which, you know, sits under the high table and becomes really knowledgeable about the rules of the Continental. When Frankie comes back, he displaces Winston and kind of like pushes him to the side because he wants to protect Winston. And what that ends up doing is Winston is then sent over to London to a Continental affiliate in London because as we saw in John Wick 2, there are Continentals all over the world, John Wick 2 and 3 and 4. But was he at the Continental though? That's the question. No, in the current show, he's not. In the current show, he's not. What I'm saying is, in my version, he would oh, be. yeah, okay. And he would be basically the Sharon of that guy at the Continental. And what this guy in the Continental would teach him in London, you know, in, in the one or two scenes that we get, we get a sense of Winston learning the rules and being very knowledgeable about the rules of the high table so that, he basically ends up using all of these rules of the high table against Cormac in their later fight. Because it all kind of, you know, yes, Gene knows the rules of the Continental, and but Winston really doesn't. And not, Gene's the only one in this group that they have, other than maybe Helicopter Guy and maybe Charlie, who's kind of there, kind of naughty, just kind of disappears halfway through the season. You don't Charlie's really know not where there. he goes. He's just disappeared. Yeah, he just kind of vanishes. Um, And I just think that, you know, I I don't want to pump this series full of too much 
you know, John Wicky stuff. You know, I don't think you really need to adjust the action that much. Um, even though I made some comments about the action earlier, I really don't think you need to do that much to the action. But the problem is, is that you've got so many storylines running and so many of them are not connected to the John Wick universe. You've got Frankie and his wife who's from Vietnam and then when Frankie dies, you know, it's his wife coming to terms with her grief, which she doesn't really do until after she tries to blow up people and then successfully blows up a person. Until she tries to blow herself up first. Yes. Second time she she tried to to do that. Well, yes, the first time she was coerced to be a suicide bomber and it didn't end up working. And then she fails to be a suicide bomber again, Um, which is a weird kind of plot line. You've also got this detective who's sleeping with her boss... And she's the one person of the family at the start of the series who we never see the family in the house, in the apartment that the boys um, firebomb. But she's the one who escaped. We don't really learn that until episode three. And and it really has no satisfying conclusion because she, like... um, pulls Winston into a room and is about to execute him, but then Jean shoots her, but then Winston looks after her, but then she really never appears again other than to kill Cormac. Yeah. But then she just kind of walks away and lets Winston walk away. And says, be seeing you. Yeah, which, you know, what's she doing now? You know, we don't get a scene like we do for some of the other characters where we see... she's not a cop anymore. Well, she's not a cop anymore. But we also... Don't know who she is, like outside of, you know, it's not like she she's a pre-established a character. She used to be a cop, and she was the only survivor of the building fire. Yeah, That's all and we know. then and then cut over to, you know, your the um the gun runners who are Frankie's friends from the war. One of them is just kind of a patsy that you kind of know is going to die for the whole time, which is Lemmy. Lemmy. I don't... Was there really a point in having him there? I don't think so, but I think he adds enough comic relief for the small amount of screen time that he has that I go, eh, whatever, he's quite fun. Then you have the two siblings who their father was a karate instructor in Chinatown, but he was also actually a hitman and did all these jobs and kept people off their backs and then he dies and so they have to it's it's all a bit weird and there's an orphan there's a a new slum lord in Chinatown called the Orphan Master and he tries to go to war with them but literally it all ends in episode 3 with just them blowing up the dojo with him in, in and his men inside and then it's just over he also calls himself the Orphan Master he has one child that walks around with him. Yeah, it's about right. And no one else. So I'm like, how are you getting the name Orphan Master? Like, you've got a bunch of full-grown men around you. Like, maybe some of them are orphans, but you don't really call a full-grown adult an orphan unless it's Bruce Wayne. (laughs) True. I don't know. I just think that it needed a little bit more connective tissue and we were talking like, you know, they, they have the Bowery, which is what Lawrence Fishburne's character is the leader of. And I think that that's really great. You I love the parts with, with the Bowery. So you came up with the fact that the person who plays the Bowery in this mm-hmm. 
is actually also the mother of Lawrence Fishburne's Barry. Well, maybe. But even if she's not, there's at least, I don't mind that level of mystery. I don't mind the mystery of like, well, who's this woman and how does she connect to the Lawrence Fishburne character when we never learn? I'm like, that's fine. I don't need to know that. That that can be obscured. But there's parts of this that are obscured that I'm like, why? Especially around Winston. Like Winston just kind of does things and it doesn't make sense. Like right at the end of the show, he kills an adjudicator right off the steps of the Continental. And while at the time when we watched it, I was like, damn, that's cool. Actually thinking on it later, I'm like, how did he know that that was going to work? And how does that help anyway? He doesn't know the laws of the high table. If he had this pre-established understanding of the rules of the high table that we saw him exercise throughout the length of the series, different story. I'd be I like, think that would be oh, a lot damn, as well. that's, that's bad. You think that he's going out there to make peace and he literally steps off the curb, shoots her in the face and then steps back onto the curb because well, no one can then stop him. He's still on the curb. He just steps off the step. I know. It's and bit, then he's just on the footpath. It's, uh, That's it, it still loses. continental grounds technically. Yeah. But, you know, that would be badass. If, even if even if it was kind of murky about the what is continental grounds, it would be yeah. like, damn, he's he's made like a checkmate and, play with the high table. But you really don't that get that And that is also sense. Winston really. That is yeah. kind of Winston's character what you've just explained. So I don't really get that. Yeah, I just don't – you really don't see – like I don't look at the character of Winston in this series and see much, if anything, of the character that we see in the four John Wick movies. I would agree. I see bits, but really not enough for me to go, yep, I can see how we get from this character to the next step. Because w- what do we know about Winston? He's always all about the rules, but he's all about the rules on his terms, which, yes, we get a sense of in this series, but we don't get it in the sense of him understanding the high table rules. He's just kind of making up stuff as he goes along and he doesn't really know any of it. And they're all very, like, no one's very knowledgeable about the high table other than Gene, really, is the only one. yeah. Yeah, and so... I just think that it, it's lacking, you know, in in that connectivity. As I said, you've got some great older characters in the series and I don't think that you bring in a John Wick or a, you know, the Bowery King. I don't think you put Lawrence Fishburne's character in there or or You'd always do something Canada's. in the future with that. Exactly. But, you know, we were talking and where's the Ruska Broma? You know, you've got this character in... You've got these two twins in the series, which I could do a whole video essay on why they're a problem for me. And I why think, one of them's a problem. Well, for yes, you. they're the Hansel and Gretel assassins or whatever they're called. I think it should just be her, um, because the guy in that dynamic is nothing. He's a nothing individual. He really offers nothing of significance to the plot whatsoever. I recognise the actor though. I vaguely recognise him. Let's see. He's just here. Um, where is he? 
Mark Musashi. He's done some things, I believe, that I would know. Uh, he's done a lot of Japanese films. Oh, he's in The Last Witch Hunter. I wonder what he plays in that. I don't recognise him from that movie. So maybe I'd know him from that. Maybe. Anyway, regardless, um, he's... You know, I'm not saying at all that he's a bad actor, but his character doesn't offer anything in the context of being paired up with the other character who I think is fantastic. And it's that one, isn't it? No, that's not her. I think it's this one. Is it? I think so. Virag Barani. I don't think it is, is it? Let's see. Let's see if I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Click on the other one. All right, let's see. Maybe she's Sorry, the... Everyone, I think I? she might be the girl from London. Oh, maybe this is the girl from London. Yeah, see, I don't... I don't think this is... We really don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah, I don't think it's her. I mean, it's, that's not her. Do you want to go back and see... Oh, maybe it is her. But no, that doesn't look like her at all. Go back. Give me a moment. There we go. Found her. Maria Mazapa. So she's from Ukraine. And she's a... Oh, she was the contortionist in Malignant. That makes sense. She's a very good fighter. She's fantastic. She's like, she, for me, carries that dynamic because she is so flexible and so. Yeah, there was one scene. What did she do? She like. She like did a scorpion kick over her head. So she kicked her leg back and kicked someone in front of her like a scorpion's tail coming forward. And then her leg went back. It was like having her and having her be a member of the Ruska Broma, which is the ballet institution in the ballet school, which eventually creates John Wick, allows you to bring in um, Angelica Houston's character, who's the, the mistress of it. She might not be the mistress at this stage. I mean, who knows? Maybe you don't kill that character and that character is Angelica Houston's character when she was younger. Maybe. And, you know, the reason that she walks around with the cane is because she gets, like, kneecapped. She walks around with the cane in John Wick 3. Oh, does she? she? Yeah, and so she gets, like, you know, her, her leg broken or something and it never heals, and so she has to walk around with a limp the rest of her life, and that's where we find her when John Wick goes to see her. I just think that there are there are little ways that you can make the story a little more connected in more meaningful ways than what is basically just um, Winston Sharon and Charlie. Because, I mean, even with Winston Sharon, the reason that Sharon, like, is so loyal to Winston is because of Winston's older brother. Which yeah. that's like... You know, and Sharon, like, gives up his life for Winston in Chapter 4. Like, 
he is dedicated to Winston as a person. It'd be like someone, you know, who's really great friends with me, you know, my friend Jade, you know, putting her life on the line for you. Like it's not entirely out of character. Like it's a, of course, there's there's a blood relation, but it's also like, damn, that's that's a far step to go just because I die. She's like, yes, I'm going to help you assault a hotel and kill everybody inside, some of whom I have been friends with. Yeah, I see what you mean there. Like, it's just, it's, it's just a bit odd. It's not a massive leap. But as I was saying earlier with, with my thought of having Winston be more entrenched in the Continental, you know, Winston does have a pre-existing relationship with Sharon. He was there when Sharon arrived. You know, they're about the same age. Winston's a little bit older. So he takes on this big brother relationship that then when Winston leaves and only his brother's left, Frankie takes Sharon under his wing and protects him in the same way. And so Sharon feels not just this familial relationship with Frankie, he's got a pre-established relationship with Winston as well so that when Winston comes back, Sharon, you know, is conflicted about like, you know, stuff's happening and Winston was my first friend. Yes, Cormac's done this and this and this for me, but Winston was there for me on my first day and helped me with so-and-so, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think the first turning point for uh, Sharon to leave was when Cormac killed the violinist. Well, but... Then you think that, but then in episode three, Sharon's like, oh, no, I was good friends with Frankie. But then Sharon's already told Cormac about Winston's plan. Yeah, it's a bit weird. It's all just very confusing towards the end there of what Sharon is actually angling towards with, with his actions. So... Cooper, do you have do you have any other kind of burning thoughts about about this series? Because I mean, we're we're probably gonna have a bit of a shorter episode this one. Oh, but there is there is another thing to say, which actually Mum brought up because I f- had forgotten, is that we're getting Ballerina next year, which is another spin off of John Wick. Is that a film or is that a series? It's a film. It stars okay. Ana de Armas as. Well, a character who I don't remember the name of. Let's see who else. I know that Keanu is going to be in it. Yes. So when's this set? It's set between John Wick 3 and 4. And could we get a second one? A second ballerina? Yes. Well, we'll have to see how it ends, won't we? Um, Ballerina. So she plays Rooney in the film Ballerina, which stars also... Uh, Keanu Reeves, Ian McShane. Ian's in it. Apparently. Uh, Norman Reedus. Lance oh, Lance Reddick's done some scenes in so it. So that, would that probably be the last thing that Lance did? Oh, Gabriel Byrne. Who's he? Wait, he played Enzo, didn't he? He played Enzo in that Lamborghini movie that you like. Look, there's that Lamborghini Speaking movie Speaking of there. the Lamborghini movie. What? It's right there. It is right there. That's what I was just saying. Um... And you've got Norman Reedus, who's who's most well known for his work in the uh, 
Walking Dead universe. He's currently got a series out, Walking Dead Daryl Dixon. So who's the – oh, is that Angela? That's Angelica Houston as the director, so she's back. Oh, is she the – when we say director. Of, of the Ruska Broma? Yeah, not of the film. No. The director's Len Wiseman. What's his directing experience? Producer, director. Oh, he's doing a Sin City TV series. Interesting. So he's mostly done TV shows. Oh, he's the director of the of the Total Recall remake and Live Free or Die Hard. Which is that the worst one? No, it's it's one of the good ones. Oh, is that John McClane? Yeah, it's Die Hard. We gotta watch the rest of the Die Hard. So far, I've only watched one Die Hard. Have you? Yeah, we on on Christmas. I think last year we only watched the first one. Whoops. I think I've watched part of three. Yeah, I've watched. Yeah, we'll skip over two. You don't need to watch two. Yeah, but we'll watch three I, and four. I've watched a decent we, amount of three. We don't need to watch five either. Five's not good. Yes, but um, I, I know a lot about. Die Hard just from Jake Peralta references. Of course. But, you know, I just feel that, you know, especially with that series coming out, which is going to go more into depth on the Ruska Broma, you had an opportunity to look at, you know, Angelica Houston's character or or just do a little bit more world building around that part of the universe or just, you know, any kind of parts of the universe. You don't get a lot of the the high table world in this one outside of the continental, you know, cause like in John Wick, he's getting into cabs and going and giving them coins and they go, yes, Mr. Wick right away, you know, like, yeah. See the, what the world feels a bit bigger, um, in John Wick. Like and it the, makes sense that in, in the seventies, it might not be that big, but, you don't even get really the seeds of that. It's just kind of like everything's around the continental and yes, the cops are scared to go into the continental, but you know, one of them, even though she's a cop who has this tragic backstory where, you know, Cormac's people killed her family. She doesn't know that Cormac was involved or if she does, she doesn't know anything about the continental. Like, Regardless of how you look at her as a character, her character's name's KD. Regardless of how you look at her character, she's got at least one glaring hole in her knowledge, despite the fact that she knows definitively that Frankie and later Winston were involved in her family's death. But she either doesn't know that Cormac was involved or knows that Cormac was involved but doesn't know anything about the Continental because she she goes in and makes a fool of herself. She walks into the Continental and gets a drink and pays for it in regular cash and they're like, no, no, that's not allowed. Which also, I mean, that's weird in and of itself because you're telling me that, you know, if I went on booking.com, I wouldn't even be able to get a room in the Continental. Like... I'm walking around New York City. I'm like, oh, this Continental place looks nice. I wonder what its Yelp review rating is. doesn't have one. You can only find it on Dark Web Yelp. (laughs) And then you walk in and say, I'd like a room, please. No, we don't take that currency. Then what currency do you take? They they don't have a have one of those square card readers, you know, (laughs) or they don't even have an FBOS machine. And you're like, what? 
Could you imagine someone walking into uh, the Continental? So do you have FPOS? What? I am sorry, sir, but we only take cash. Oh, well, do you have an ATM nearby then? No, sir. We do not have an ATM. They actually do have an ATM in the modern-day Continental. But also... Okay, so they have an ATM. What's but the point? But they only accept coins. They only accept... And not Unless even, maybe now they they accept a mix. And, like, what's the deal? And not even, like, regular currency coins. Their own made-up coins. It's money laundering. Also, how big is this place? Because there's whole layers of underground... Well, here's the thing. In John Wick, it seems like it goes to the core of the earth and then high up. I know, but it's in, massive. In this series, apparently it only has 13 floors. Well, 12 floors and then no. a missing 13 floor. No, it has more than 13 floors. Does it? Yeah. And that's often a thing that they do in hotels is they don't have a 13th floor. But isn't there a 13th floor for like hidden stuff? Not necessarily. There often isn't a 13th floor. There also usually aren't room numbers that end in 13. Really? Yeah. How do you know that? Because I've been to a lot of hotels. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. you lived in one for I lived in months. one for a long time. Um, His home is the Continental. Yes, and I he paid with FPOS. I paid with FPOS. That's how I know that they react really weirdly. <laughs> um, the Continental Sydney, what a wild place. Great nightclub in the basement, though. <laughs> you met John Wick there. No, I didn't meet John Wick. And he went, we look very similar. At the time, I didn't. the time, I didn't have my long, luxurious locks well, that I have now. At the time, you had... You at the time I'd literally just shaved my head you, almost to the to the scalp. But by the end of your stay, your hair your hair was going long and it was a lot thinner, a lot more like Keanu's hair. It was like Keanu's hair when he's when he cuts it short. Now it's No, like, not even. Like we yeah, went it was. we went there to visit you almost towards the end and you had this long hair. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You were there for six months and you never cut your hair. And now it's been nearly Many two years. years and I've not cut my hair. Well, you have been to the hairdresser once. Once, you know. just to get it shaped a bit better. Yeah, we should shave your head for charity. When I have more hair, I will. When you have more, when you can't see anything, you walk around like cousin it. That's it. Well, and there's a connection to Angelica Houston right there. I know, I'm so good, aren't I? Look at you go. Pop culture. Pop culture genius, this one is. All yes, right, I know well, even more than you about pop culture at this point. A likely story. We yeah, literally even could, I can't say that with a straight face. We literally couldn't talk about the Ahsoka series today because you didn't have enough to say about it. That's because I've never watched The Clone Wars apart from the movie. Exactly. Yeah, but that's pointless. Culturally uneducated. Anyway. Pointless. Lovely listeners. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation today about the Continental. If you've seen the Continental, please let us know what you thought of it. We'd be interested to hear your thoughts, uh, whether you're a John Wick diehard or whether you had no idea what you were getting yourself in for and just watched it on a whim. Um, well, 
it wouldn't matter because there's not much of a big connection. No, there's not. You're not going to see a de- a de-aged Keanu at the end of the series. It just doesn't happen. But thank you very much for listening, lovely listeners. We hope that you've enjoyed. Uh, if you were somehow involved in the making of this series and you are listening to this podcast. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think we said that many bad things about it. I We said what's true. All in all, we did enjoy watching watching this series week to week for the three weeks that it was on. I think it's in retrospect when, in particular, when I look back at it, I just kind of go, there was some missed opportunities there. And, I mean, as I said, there was a whole character reference to an established character in the John Wick series in this movie, in this series, that I did not pick up on because it really was kind of um, very under the radar. So I guess we'll see in, in, in terms of the passing of time what uh the impact of this show is on the greater john wick universe but until then thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again soon bye-bye bye yeah how dare you uh-huh Thank <laughs> you.